opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Main Menu Live. My name is Jeff Bishop, and boy, do we have a show for you here tonight. We're uh, we're talking all about mobility and travel and mapping and just getting around in your neighborhood and all that kind of fun stuff. But before we do that, let's introduce who everybody, uh, no, everybody that's here. Let's start with uh, the Main Menu Live team. First, managing the board and getting all of you to unmute yourselves and all that fun, great stuff. We've got the the mighty Rick Morin. Rick? He's Rick is, I don't think hey, he, everybody. he... There he is. I, I, he's close captioned. You, right. you need a longer yeah. arm, Rick. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm here, guys. Hi. Yeah, hi. Great to be long, here, guys. Long pause, long pause. Thank you, Rick, very, very much. And the dynamic duo... They even kind of look the same, apparently. Oh, uh, that's not what I understand. But we are identical twins, so I guess you maybe one twin. You've seen well, them. Well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> John and Larry Gassman are here. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening Good to evening. you, Jeff. Good to be here again. Indeed, and it's almost turkey time. That, that, that's right. But Thank we're you. not talking turkey tonight. We're we're talking some really great technology. We got two hours just just wonderful, great content. In the first hour, we're going to talk to the Soundscape team in just a minute here from Microsoft, and we're going to learn all about what they're doing and what's up with them. And then in the second hour, we're going to hear from the team at Good Maps. Mike May and company are going to join us, and they're going to talk to us all about the innovation that's happening there, including indoor navigation. So stay tuned for that. Now, in December... Just to give everyone a heads up, we are uh, in ACB land. We are moving all of our email lists to the groups.io platform. And we are probably going to be, whether we get someone from the company to come on or it's just going to be us doing it, we're going to be dedicating a show to that topic and spending a lot of time. We're going to actually make it a community call as well so that we can actually get some engagement going on uh, from the community and getting their questions answered and all of that, both from a, uh, you know, an end user perspective as well as being able to manage your lists. It's it's a it's a pretty important change, and and we're going to dedicate quite a bit of time to this topic. So that's what's coming up uh, in December, and we'll kind of lighten it up too. It's it's holiday season, and we'll kind of do some fun stuff, I think, too. All right, well, let's get started, shall we? So. Uh, Amos Miller and and Melanie are here to talk to us tonight all about Soundscape. Good evening, guys. Hi, Jeff. Hi, everybody. Great to be here. Yeah, and, yeah and, hi, everyone. Hi. And you're all working from home, right? Like uh, the rest of the world, yes. Yeah, just like everybody else. Yeah. 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 So there's been some, some pretty exciting things happening around uh, Soundscape. But before we even get into that, what is Soundscape and why might someone care? Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Just a quick introduction. My, I'm Amos Miller and I'm a 
Uh, we, Melanie and I work at Microsoft Research in the lab where we look at uh, technologies for and with people with disabilities as a core part of our accessibility work at Microsoft. Um, and Soundscape has been around uh, as a, an idea for a few years now and as a product and an app for, for a couple of years now. Um, and my role on the team is the product lead, and Melanie is one of our engineers, our lead engineers um, of Soundscape. So we're really looking forward to a great conversation and um, unpack any and every quick question that you guys have about the technology and the ideas behind it. Um, to answer your question, Jeff, what Soundscape is, the idea is it, it is a it, it is a it is um, an app that's used to help people get around independently. And the main idea is that we use what we call 3D audio or spatial audio, which is sound that you can hear around you in 3D space. So you can hear where things are, where the landmarks are around you, where the roads are, what options, what uh, you can hear the intersection if a road goes to the left, ahead of you and to the right. And it's all kind of, yeah, uh, kind of in 3D. If you put your headset on and you listen to it, you really hear it spatialized around you. Um, so let's say you walk down the street and Starbucks is coming up on your right. You, you would hear the, you literally hear the word Starbucks and that sound will sound from the, from in front of you and to the right. So you don't have to think, where is it? Oh, it's right there where I heard it. Um, and these are the, uh, and if you're coming up to an intersection and there's a road going to the left and another one going to the right, you'll hear the names of those roads on the left and on the right. So you know which roads, what options you have. If there isn't a road in the middle, then you know you're up in an intersect, a T intersection. So it really gives you that layout. Um, and also when you come to navigating to places, you can use uh, the Soundscape audio beacon as a real, as a guide to show you where your destination is so that you can make your way there um, and really taking in uh, everything that's, that's around you. I think the why should people care is that um, Soundscape is really designed to be super, super easy to use when you're out and about and really um, not interfere with everything else that you're doing when you're out and about. So if you're with your dog and you need to take care of the, uh, and, and attend to the guide dog and the signals that you're getting, pay attention to the traffic and everything else that's going on around you, have a conversation with someone at the same time. All of those are, are, are tasks that you would normally do while you're out and about. And Soundscape is designed to kind of be there in the background, quietly giving you that enriched awareness of your surrounding. Yeah, um, now, oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say we, we'll talk a little bit more about some of uh, what we've been doing over the last, uh, over the last year. But also I want to, uh, and we'll spend a bit of time on the reality that a lot of us, a lot of us aren't out and about as much as we used to be. And how do we use Soundscape to keep our mental mapping skills and orientation skills uh, sharp 
even if we don't get to get out and about. So we'll look, uh, we'll talk about uh, some of the new features that we've been, that we've been working on, uh, more specifically the uh, Soundscape Street Preview, which is a very, very fresh, fresh out of the oven feature. And if we time, Jeff, we could, uh, if we have time, we can even do a demo later on. Yeah, that, that, that's great, actually. Um, before we get there, um, I, I know that, you know, you guys had released uh, features to work with the Bose frames, and and I know that uh, I think that there's still support for the older generation of the of the frames, right? That a lot of people still have. So let me touch on that. So headsets are an important component of Soundscape. While you can use Soundscape, and a lot of people do use Soundscape by listening to the speaker of the phone. Um, for the best experience, if you can find headphones that you are happy to wear outdoors, which means that headsets that don't block the hearing, and we can talk about a couple of examples. Um, the Bose frames uh, uh, were released about a year ago now, are an excellent option from the perspective that they really don't block the, the, the ambient sound. You can hear everything that's around you and you still get excellent quality stereo sound from Soundscape. And the added fun with the Bose frames is that they have um, sensors built into them so that when you hear the, the audio in 3D and you turn and you move around, that audio stage is very clear and remains very stable in place. Unfortunately, uh, Bose have uh, have stopped support for those for most developers. But with we, we Soundscape um, with an, an arrangement with Bose, uh, we are continuing to support. We are able to continue to support uh, that experience with the frames, but it's only available on the uh, the first generation, not with the latest uh, headsets that that Bose released uh, about a month ago. Right. Um, but we are we do have a, 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 a live a live dialogue. This whole area of head tracking headsets is a is an emerging space. It's an exciting space. Um, so we we do have a live dialogue with them about uh, about next uh, uh, about the future. But if you do have the new generation frames, you'll at least get the stereo sound. You will, and you'll get the yeah. beautiful stereo sound. And and the the full experience, you just won't have the head tracking experience. Yeah, which is which is uh, which is fine. And, and um, what other headsets are you recommending? I can think of uh, headsets like the Aftershocks, for example. Aftershocks bone conductions of all uh, are definitely a popular option. Um, those of you who are comfortable with the AirPods, uh, they are definitely a. An experience, an option that a lot of people enjoy. They're pretty good in leaving a a lot of ambient sound uh, coming through. And some of the sports headphones that people uh, use, that runners use, people who go jogging, they kind of hang over your ear and go behind your head with a little strap. Um, Those can also give excellent uh, uh, stereo experience. Yeah, I find when I'm out. I've I've tried a number of different types of uh, headsets, and depending upon the weather and all of that, I'll use different ones, and and they all provide that really great and rich stereo sound. So it makes it really nice to always maintain where you are in space when you're when you're traveling. And I even set a beacon at my apartment so that uh, you know, even though I know really where it is, it's kind of nice to to actually have that 
that landmark, especially if there are, you know, obstacles or things in the way that I have to take a slightly different route to get home, you know, for example. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm blind myself, and I, I, whenever I walk around, I do have soundscape on, and it's become part of my experience of the, of the surroundings. So <clears throat> if I just go for a walk with a dog, and it's just across the park and maybe to the shops on the other side, um, sometimes I might have a beacon turned on. Often I won't. Often I will just have it because it, it serves a, as just part of my reading and input and and experience of the surroundings and i i I, um definitely miss it if i don't have it with me (laughs) now do you use it in combination with say apple maps or google maps for turn by turn too do you do you do that do you find that useful personally personally i i don't really do that very often but it works um it's designed to work in combination with other apps so if you do uh, so. So, Soundscape won't give you turn by turn direction. Soundscape will give you. You'll have a very clear idea in which direction to go, but it won't tell you in turn in twenty meters turn left. It'll tell you in twenty meters there's an intersection in which you can. Right, turn. exactly. So, yeah. w- w- if you if you like to have a combination of turn by turn instructions ad- added to that, then you can have Google Map- Maps run in parallel. Um, Especially with the stereo headphones, they work very well together because the the callouts are spatialized and placed in different places so that they don't overlap and and you can you can get the input from both both experiences uh, concurrently. Yeah. Oh, well, before we get to the new features, uh, John or Larry, do you have any questions on the on the basics of the app yet? Uh, at this I'm, point, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, you mentioned beacons, and so I'm wondering has uh, has uh, Microsoft decided on any type of an indoor platform at this point, or is that ahead of the game right now? Indoor, well, uh, indoor is a great, uh, is an important space, <laughs> and it's wonderful to kind of share the stage with Good Maps are doing fantastic work trying to again break the back of that important space. We in the prototyping side of our work we do look it was that larry or john i'm sorry that was john yeah and i have a follow-up to that one too yeah in the prototyping side of our work we do uh, explore uh, 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 various indoor platforms um with uh enterprise with, with with retailers and and transport organizations who have installed various technologies in in their environments uh, but that's not um yet at the stage that it can be really uh, rolled out. You and Good Maps and there are probably a few others are, are looking at indoor navigation as a way to make this work. Is there, in so many instances, there is a, well, let's get to it first and try and beat the other guy, as opposed to let's see what we can do to make sure that it's consistent across the board so that it favors everybody, which means maybe we use the same solution is that kind of what's happening in this case where you're all trying to at least make something work that is good and if it's the perfect thing, it may not be you that's doing it, but at least it's being done and it can be shared by everyone? Absolutely. I mean, that um, we, we talk with Good Maps. Uh, we've talked with, with the folks on Good Maps before they were Good Maps and we share the same motivations. We've always said, to be honest with you, and, and Soundscape, 
we care about the experience and we look forward to people who can figure out some of the other components of this overall solution. Um, so wh whoever can provide ca strong, capable uh, location services and capabilities uh, in for indoor experiences, we would love to share and work together. And conversely, we are also looking at ways in which other people can use soundscape-like experiences in their apps, and that's also a dialogue we have with Good Maps. So there's there is uh, the, the competition is if 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 there is any competition, it's only about hey let's let's get it to the top uh, top quality experience that we would like to, but uh, it's it's very much a collaborative uh, co collaborative work. Yeah. By the way, we Thank do have. Thank you. You're welcome. We do have one hand. My, my, uh, uh, I think Don Barrett's hand is raised, so we have to take a vote as to whether or not we want to actually accept him. Oh, uh, we can accept Don. Do you think so? Without taking sure. a vote? Okay, that's yeah. fine. We're not yeah. taking a vote. He's okay, part of okay IAP, that's fine. So. All right, that's fine. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, But it's always fun to pick on him. I know. I do it a lot. <laughs> Rick, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, and Don can unmute himself, and uh, he's ready to go. So this is great to to hear all about the new features and and what uh, what's happening with Soundscape. And I guess I was curious. Uh, I get a lot of questions from friends and customers I work with. You know, is there like a good tutorial so that people can actually really hear it in action, understand how it works? Because it's a little bit of a mind game to try to figure out what what's it really doing. I mean, everybody understands turn-by-turn turn directions, but I think this kind of is a whole new paradigm of guiding folks who are blind, and I think people need to kind of wrap their head around it. So I was wondering what you aids or assistance you guys might have that kind of helps people along in that direction. Thanks. Thank you. No, that's a that's a great um, great question. I I think Melanie, maybe this is a good time for you to come in and talk a little bit about our work, um, really in response to um, the COVID nineteen situation that we're all finding ourselves in. Because as part of that, we've also produced a ton of material. Uh, exactly along the questions that you're asking, Don. So, Melanie, do you want to come in and maybe share some of uh, some of the things that we've been working on in the last uh, six months or so in that area? Sure, I'd be happy to. So, yeah, I mean, as, as Amos mentioned, um, we we have really kind of focused on on creating some of those materials over the last few months. Um, so, you know, when, when the COVID pandemic began we decided that we needed to really take time and kind of reflect as a team what this pandemic means for people who are blind and low vision. And so uh, we decided that the best thing to do would be to kind of pause what we were currently working on and to focus on doing what we could for the community during this time. Um, so, you know, we, we knew that people were not going to be able to uh, go out as often, if at all. It was going to be difficult to exercise and to get fresh air. Um, and it would be more difficult to connect with, you know, orientation and mobility instructors and to develop and maintain essential uh, O&M skills. Um, so with this in mind, our, 
uh, one of the first things we did was to invest time in developing uh, materials in the form of blog posts. So these blogs go into um, some of the early, the first blogs we posted go into a lot of detail on how to use Soundscape to, to get out and about and, and get fresh air. Um, and over the past few months, we've actually been adding blogs that are actually written by O&M instructors. And these instructors discuss how their students have been using Soundscape to um, accelerate learning new routes. Um, one example of, of a post written by um, an O&M instructor named Marie, um, she wrote a post talking about how she's a soundscape and actually Harry Potter inspired challenges uh, to work on O&M skills with one of her students. Um, so these are, um, these are really great materials for people who do want to learn a little bit more about soundscape and, and how to use it. So I certainly recommend uh, people go go and check these out. You can find a link to them uh, right in the Soundscape app, app, actually, and also on our website. Yeah, on the menu, on the main menu in the app, there's a link to COVID-19 information, which takes you to all the blogs, uh, and they provide a, really a wealth of information um, about and 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 pretty detailed explanation on how to use the app in various. In, to achieve certain various uh, tasks uh, when you're out and about. Um, Mena, do you want to maybe continue on the what, what else we've done with uh, O&M? Sure. Um, yeah, so, so another useful feature that we've added uh, is the ability to actually annotate um, and share your markers. So, um, for example, with this ability, an O&M instructor could create markers, then add custom annotations for their students, and then they can share those markers with their students. Um, and so you can share them through, you know, text, email, um, and, uh, but it's also useful outside of kind of this O&M instructor scenario, it's also really useful to, to simply share your current location with a friend so that your friend can find you using Soundscape. So maybe you're meeting up at a park and you can share your current location with a friend. They can they can set an audio beacon on that location um, and then they can follow that, that beacon to find you. Uh, so um, annotating and sharing markers was one of the, the early features that, that we shipped um, after this pandemic began. Um, and it, it's really a simple but a pretty powerful feature. And then um, the, the most recent feature, as, as Amos has mentioned, is Soundscape Street Preview. Um, and and it's, it's our most recent and really exciting addition to Soundscape. And so with Street Preview, you can actually simulate a Soundscape experience anywhere in the world and from the comfort and safety of your own home. So you can search for the house you grew up in or an address from your uh, an address on your college campus, and you can use Soundscape Street Preview to to take a walk down memory lane. Um, or you could use Street Preview to explore a new area. So maybe it's a place that you've always wanted to visit, and you just kind of want to walk around virtually and, and see what's there. Or maybe it's the first place that that you plan on visiting um, once travel is safe again, and you you want to start exploring. Um, so when you use street preview, you can actually turn in place and you will listen to the hum of what we call the road finder. 
And the road finder will tell you when you're facing uh, down a particular road. And if you're interested in going in that direction, you simply press go. And so you can use this to, to move between intersections. Um, and as you will, as you explore, you'll also have the soundscape buttons at the bottom of the screen. So um, my location, what's around me, ahead of me. Um, and as always, these buttons will help you orient yourself and get a sense of what's nearby um, as you kind of continue along your virtual journey. So say that you're going to be staying in a hotel, which I, I know is, um, you know, one day that'll, that'll be normal again. And um, you can actually preview the location of your hotel. And when you start street preview there, you can open the list of nearby places and you can see all of the restaurants that are going to be around the hotel. And maybe you set a beacon on, on the pizza place that sounds really interesting to you and you want to try while you're staying at that hotel. And so then you can actually use street preview to follow that beacon and you can walk from your hotel towards the restaurant. Um, and you can learn about the, the roads you'll be taking to get to that restaurant, the, the intersections you're going to cross, and, and what turns you'll need to make um, without ever having to leave your home. So um, as we've talked about, you know, we worked really closely with uh, some O&M instructors to, to um, build this feature. And they, these instructors um, have started using Street Preview to allow their students to preview new routes and to develop mental mapping skills. So students can practice their turns and they can um, practice their orientation skills using the road intersection and, and landmark data um, in street preview. So this feature is still in beta. So we, we really encourage you to try it out and definitely send us feedback. Um, we would love to hear from you. Um, I believe if there's time, Amos uh, has a demo prepared, too, of Street Preview. So. We do have a couple more hands. We have two more hands. Maybe we can get to, to them. Hi, Wes. Go ahead. Hi. Yeah. One thing, one of the things I got involved with lately, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, is that the Pokemon Go game thing by a company called Niantic, something like that. And I play it using the iOS Zoom screen magnifier feature, which kind of clumsily, you know, works with it. But I know a lot of people can't use the screen magnifier function. But I still feel like if we made an accessible Pokemon Go, which I think, like the soundscape technology, would be, you know, a perfect, you know, match for making an accessible Pokemon Go. Because a lot of people that are blind vision impaired, they can just sure use the mobility practice. And I think it'd be good if we get them involved in like playing like a game like Pokemon Go that helps them get out of the house, you know, get kind of work on their mobility chops out there, build some confidence. And it's wondering what you guys think about about that, because I see so many blind folks where like mobility still just, just throws them and they, they just can't really get the hang up or get comfortable with it. Yeah. I love, love I love the idea and the whole the whole notion of using it for you know fun recreational experiences. Pokemon Go is definitely something that will be a lot of fun to build. Uh, one of the things that we did have been experimenting with a bit less now, but um, uh, is is the use of soundscape in adaptive sports. 
Um, cool. So we played. Uh, we we've used we've we've have a, we have a variant of soundscape that can be used by adaptive sports organizations um, who run kayaking events, cross country, um, snowshoeing, and most recently there's a group over in New York State. Uh, we've been they've been running through the summer a series of uh, trail orienteering events. Um, where they bring a whole bunch of uh, a group of people who are blind together, um, they they lay out a, um, a, 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 like a, a trek in a park. Like um, I think the one in they did one in Albany Park that was like a forty minute trek. I think like it was two two and a half miles or something um, with eleven flags uh, laid out, and and, and pe- people would use soundscape to locate those flags and then uh, rush to the next one. And again, these are very successful, a lot of fun, and, and an area that we are really trying to to um, develop. Um, honestly, my concern about would be the distraction factor. You know, if a person's still shaky at the mobility skills, shaky using soundscape, then put on top of playing Pokemon Go on top of it. I can see there could be a problem of persons, you know, gets to come much concentrate on the game and forgets their mobility, you know, that could lead me to some troubles. <laughs> I think that happens to the sighted people as well. Yeah, that happens to sighted people too. So I I think, (laughs) all right. Well, um, thank you so much for that. We appreciate your your comments. Thanks for letting me give you my input. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Wes. All right. Well, um, I'm sorry. The quick demo, Jeff? Yeah, let's do the demo. Right. Okay. So I'm going to try and make it work. Tell me if you're hearing it. Hold on, let me. Yes, we are. You're good. Okay. So I have Soundscape. What I'm going to demonstrate is how a street preview. I have Soundscape on my iPhone. Okay. And I I thought it would be very timely for all of us to go and uh, visit somewhere that's on top of mind for a lot of people these days. So I hope to I have I save the marker where we're gonna visit. Saved markers. And open saved markers. Saved markers. Heading. 45. Distance. We're gonna hop and visit the White House, okay? White House, 2325.55 miles east. What up? Share location. Activate. 45. White House, 2325.55 miles east. 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, DC 20006. So it's quite a long way from from where I am, about 3,000 miles, but that's okay. With a quick hop, Share location. Soundscape street preview. I'm going to choose street preview on the White House. Starting street preview at walking path in Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, White House, 385 feet. Okay. Exit. Exit. We are now on Pennsylvania Avenue in front of the White House. Let's just explore a little bit. I'm moving the phone very slowly to my right. And you can hear a hum coming up. And that indicates to me that I'm starting to face a road. Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, heading west. Next intersection, West Executive Avenue Northwest, Jackson Place Northwest, and Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, 375 feet. Okay, so to my west, there is a road, Pennsylvania Avenue. 
I'm going to turn the phone around and I'm slowly going to turn it east. Do we hear the sound again? And Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest heading east. Heading east. Next intersection. Madison Place Northwest, East Executive Avenue Northwest, and Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, 440 feet. So I'm, I know that I'm on Pennsylvania Avenue. I know now I have a good feel for which way it's, it's sort of going. I want to go and have a look where, what's around me right now. So I'll press around me. I'll press the around me button at the bottom of the screen. Ahead of me. Around me. Around me. President's Park close by. Major General Lafayette, 375 feet. North Lawn Fountain. 155 feet. Major General Rocambo, 305 feet. Okay, so a few things right by me. I'm going to point the phone in the direction that I believe the White House in, and I'm going to press ahead of me. Nearby markers, button. Ahead of me, button. Ahead of me. West Colonnade, 380 feet. The West Wing, 435 feet. Rose Garden, 440 feet. Eisenhower Executive Office Building, 490 feet. The Oval Office, 535 feet. So that was when I'm facing the White House towards the west. I'm going to now turn my phone and face the White House towards the east and press ahead of me. Nearby markers, ahead of me. Button, ahead of me. North Lawn Fountain, 155 feet. White House, 315 feet. Marker, White House, 385 feet. East Colonnade, 410 feet. Rose Garden, 440 feet. So that was more towards the east. So the White House is right in front of me, all the way from the west to the east. I'm going to go back to the Pennsylvania Avenue. And... What I'm going to do now is I'm going to move forward along the road towards the next intersection. Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, heading east. <laughs> Approaching intersection. Madison Place Northwest, goes left. Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, continues ahead. East Executive Avenue Northwest, goes right. Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, heading east. So I'm back. I'm now at, the in- at an intersection. There's a road goes to the left, to the continues ahead and going to the right. And I can really, so, so now I've moved. So the White House is probably a little bit behind me and to the left. I'm going to turn left here. So I'm going to turn my phone over to the left and choose a different road. East Executive Avenue Northwest, heading south. Next intersection, East Executive Avenue Northwest and Alexander Hamilton Place Northwest. 895 feet. All right, so that's the road. So I'm going to go down that road. I want to go down this way. Turned right. Now along East Executive Avenue Northwest. Approaching intersection. Alexander Hamilton Place Northwest goes left. East Executive Avenue Northwest continues ahead. East Executive Avenue Northwest heading south. And now if my calculations are right and my mental path is correct, the White House should be all the way on my left. So I'm going to point the phone to the left. Sky. Oops. 
Previous button. Explore. Here, look. My locate. Around me. But ahead of me. And I'm going to hit ahead of me. Ahead of me. Sports field. 155 feet. White House tennis court. 570 feet. Putting green. 590 feet. A putting green. Rose Garden. 650 feet. The Rose Garden. West Colonnade, 685 feet. So yeah, the White House and all the facilities around the White House are to my left. And now, if I wanted to just... If I just wanted to get a, a restaurant, say, nearby here, I can explore like I would normally do with Soundscape. Um, there's a button to oh, explore nearby. Places nearby. Public transit. Food and drink. And now I can have a browse through all the restaurants in this area. The W Hotel. Just a list of restaurants. And with, with, with any of those restaurants, I can, um, I can choose it and place an, an audio beacon and use and within the street preview environment navigate my way to that restaurant and really get a feel for the layout of that space way before uh, I'm actually physically visiting there. So I think we'll stop here, Jeff. Just to, I hope that gave folks a, a bit of a feel for what the experience is like. Obviously, if you're wearing headphones and you're standing and pressing the information, it will be a lot richer. Absolutely. Amos, uh, All right, well, when, we have some raised hands. Why don't we, you know, before uh, you get to that, let, let me ask, before I forget it, um, it, is this, what you just did in terms of the virtual tour, is it something that can be done internationally into other countries, or is it specific to the United States? Anywhere in the world. Wow. And this wasn't a demo. This was the real thing. Like, you, you, you just plug in. And, if you go to other countries you may have challenges with the compatibility of the language. Like you'll have the English speaker saying funny things, but, but it could work. Yeah. Yeah, I got to play with this. Definitely. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Jeff, you had a nice experience visiting your hometown when you were testing this for us. I did. Yeah. yeah. Yep, in uh, Tucson. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. I think we have someone unmuted already, don't we, Rick? Yeah, we've got Renee. Hey, Renee. <laughs> Hi. Um, <clears throat> uh, two questions. Um, I have Soundscape on my phone, and um, two questions I have is, one, can I use that um, with the Bose collar? I, I, uh, I don't have a, a 3D uh, or, or appropriate headphone but I, when I do travel, I do like to wear a collar because um, this way, let's say if I get a phone call, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can hear my traffic. And the second thing I have, a question I have is um, you mentioned that you can have, um, uh, well, not uh, markers, but uh, you uh, tracking, somebody can track you or know where you are. And um, Tom and I, uh, my husband, Tom, and I, we like to track each other. Like sometimes well, before the COVID, when my husband was down at our house and I was up here, whenever I would go someplace, I would let him know where I am. But if I put his email in there, can he always or can we always keep um, to know where each other are if we want to do that? 
we've been trying to find different apps like this uh, Live 360, which is totally inaccurate. But um, we've been trying to find out, um, find a different, an, an app that would um, allow both of us to keep track of where each other are. And that's for safety reasons uh, only, really. Um, and so I'll, I'll take my answer on the air, but that's the concern I have. I hope I'm being clear. If not, just let me ask me to clarify. Thank you. No, no, thank you. Um, I'll, take the, I'll take the first question and I'll ask Melanie to come in on the second one uh, just to explain where we are with that. Um, with, in terms of the Bose collar, you can use the Bose collar, and I think it will sound information it, it will sound great. Um, uh, if the volume is high enough and you can hear soundscape, I think it it is stereo. The Bose collar, right? I believe it is stereo. Um, I, I haven't tried it myself, but it, but but I I think it I think it is. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Melanie, do you want to maybe address uh, the second question and at least uh, where we are with that? Yeah. So for right now, when you're sharing your your location with someone else or someone shares their location with you, um, that's a, a static location. So if you then then move, you'd have to share your location again. It won't automatically update. Um, but I think it's a, it's a great question and a great point. Um, so it's something we'd really like to look into in the future. But for, for right now, it's, um, you know, it's a static location that you're sharing. All right. Who do we have next, Rick? Uh, we've got William. Actually, we've got uh, phone number six. Hello. Oh, there's William. Okay. So first of all, I'd like to uh, thank everyone over at Soundscape for doing such an amazing job. Um, I've used the app in the past to keep track of where I'm going when I'm in Ubers and so forth. Um, the second thing is um, I have a pair of Beats headphones, but they're earbuds. Um, is that a style of headphone that you would recommend using? Um, and I also have a pair of Bluetooth glasses um, with uh, headphones that kind of they don't go on your ears. They go you know, in front of your ears. Um, which of those would be the better of the two headphones to use when I'm out and about traveling? To be honest, sir, I think it's it, whatever, whichever headphones you're most comfortable using. Um, both of those sound will work great with soundscape, but really the important thing is that you can hear everything else and that you are, are, uh, comfortable wearing and getting the sound while you while you can hear the the rest the, the, the traffic and everything else around you in in, in full fidelity. But I think right, those would work well. Yeah, which is why I would go with um you know the glasses I have with the headphones kind of you know off the ears. But yeah. um, great job and keep up the good work. I'm definitely going to check out the street preview. Thank you, William. Thank you. Phone number six thirty-two, please. Hi. Um, I just started using Soundscape, and so I haven't done that much with it. But I, I have my house, the beacon on my house, and I'm, I'm just using it around the neighborhood because I, I know the route I take to walk the dog. And when I come back, it says that. When I get to my house, it says that it um fifty feet from it. How can I make it less than that? Really? 
Yeah. So um, part of that is just, uh, are, are you saying that um, the location of your house seems to be a little bit off in Soundscape? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, th I think part of that is, is just a challenge with, with GPS. Um, so we're relying on the GPS data from your phone, which generally you can, you can kind of hope for somewhere around like 50 meter accuracy at times. It'll be better at times. Um, you know, it might not be so great. Um, okay. And, uh, so yeah, so that is part of it, but I, I think that's really good feedback and it's also something something that we we have heard so so we are keeping that kind of in mind as to you know what can we do to kind of help users to to maybe um move a beacon a little bit so that it, it's maybe in a better location or, or something something similar along those lines so um yeah i think that's great feedback i mean one thing you can try um, is is to um if you create a marker in the current location when you're standing in front of your house where you want the beacon to be, mm -hmm. uh, but do so, go out, walk around a little bit, come back, and then take it so that the phone has time to uh, figure out where it is. Gotcha. Warm up and get, get a good GPS reading. Sometimes if you, if you do the GPS reading just after you left the house, it's still figuring it out. It's still jumpy. Uh, but if you take a little walk and then come back and stand exactly where you want that beacon to be and, and press current location, save that marker, uh, you can get a, you can potentially get a better reading. But as Melanie says, that's one of the things that we're trying to look at is how we can let people sort of nudge a beacon a bit to the left, a bit to the right, so, it's, so it feels more representative of where they want it to be. Okay, thanks so much. Okay. All right. Any other hands? Yeah, Wes is back. Okay. Yes, I have two questions. I'd like to know, when using the street preview mode, does it include such information as to where the street has a sidewalk along it or where it doesn't have a sidewalk? Is it like a big ditch along the road or bushes or a bank out to the white line? I mean, this information a person would like to know before he kind of goes to a place, whether a given intersection has a traffic signal, a stop sign, or nothing at all. I mean, because these are some things to try to go somewhere, and I kind of have problems in the past where it's like it is impossible to cross the street. There's no sidewalk, you know, or it's like you teeter on the edge of a, of a ditch. I mean, it, it really becomes unpleasant if you kind of go to a place and not know this type of information. Would Soundscape, Soundscape include such information? Now, my second question I understand this good map is replacing nearby Explorer. Is there a URL where it could look up information about good maps? So I think uh, so to to address to address um, I think the um, good maps uh, we'll talk about uh, when when they come online in about uh, twenty minutes or so. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I, I, I lost a third of thought. What, what remind me the the question? Okay. So he wanted to know. He wanted to know whether it could detect um, characteristics of oh, the whole yes, yes. of the map. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, we because we really were we were keen to get this, this this preview feature out as soon as possible, given the pandemic and everything. We had to make some trade offs. 
as to what kind of accuracy and, 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 and detail we would work at. Uh, and we, we, at this stage, uh, for the initial release, we chose to work at, or at a street level, but not at pedestrian, not at a sidewalk level. Um, so that it gives you the ability to build a mental map of the space, but exactly like you say, it doesn't mean that you can actually walk that route in, in the way that you would be doing. Uh, it, yeah, it, it will follow roads, it will follow intersections, but it doesn't mean that there that it will take into account uh, if there's a road crossing here, or or or, or if it's you know if this is a very large road that you can't actually cross over here, yeah. Um, however, it's a good it's a starting point, and so this is where your feedback and co- comments, exactly like your comment here, is so critical for us because we can take it on board and start to enrich the experience and make the adjustments that are important for, for folks to experience. So, um, Okay, so if I go somewhere, I probably know I should still use Google Street View because I find that very helpful, especially if I go into an unfamiliar place, yeah. as well as the uh, soundscape preview then, obviously. Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right, next, Rick. Yeah, we've got Rich W. Is go there on. any thought to making soundscape available on an Apple watch um yes <laughs> the, yes in terms of there are there are thoughts at least to control it one of the things that we're trying to get um to offer and, and figure out ways is for people to to use soundscape as hands-free as possible so that you don't have to reach out to your phone and the apple watch is certainly a, a solution for 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 that um, are you thinking about purely on the watch that that's not dependent on the phone as well? Um, that would be my ultimate preference, but uh, if I could get away with having to grab my phone out of my pocket, that would even be an improvement. Okay, that's um, uh, th- thanks for that comment. And that's yes, there, there are thoughts in there. We we were definitely uh, considering options there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank what other what other kinds of things that you can talk about are you looking forward to be able to do in the future? What kinds of things are on the drawing board? So look, um, we there are a number of fronts that we that we continue to develop. Um, one of the m- most important aspects that um, the pandemic has actually um, really accelerated is the whole work with orientation and mobility uh, training. Um, and and that's really we, we've we've had in the last six months more than ever before engagement with orientation and mobility trainers who have started to use soundscape in support of their training programs in support of their training programs also to, to deliver training remotely so that they can work with people and build up a route for somebody a practice route where they can work on their skills and develop their skills use use um soundscape to practice turns and so forth um and that's that's going to be very that's going to be very central for us over the next six months to a year um and that that will involve additional features in the street preview area we're also considering how you could um, look at uh, stitching um, 
sequencing the markers so that you can link them together into a, a journey uh, so that you don't have to sort of turn one and then turn the next one and turn the next one on, uh, but actually have a sequence. Uh, so there's a, a bunch of things that we're looking there, but, but but that work is very much driven by orientation and mobility trainers um, with whom uh, we are seeing really a growing need for uh, for this form of technology doing training, and we're doing what we can to support them. Uh, the other angle, which is always um, very important to us, um, is... Uh, the, or the headsets, so we continue to work with uh, headset manufacturers to get to uh, good uh, non-occluding head tracking headsets in support of, of the soundscape experience and support of other apps who would benefit from these kind of headsets. We call it the audio augmented reality headsets, um, which, you know, uh, once we get to that kind of panacea of those kind of headsets being available in mass market, I think there'll be, there'll, that will um, that will move uh, move the experience forward a great deal. And in combination with that, we do a lot of work on how to use audio to really get give, give you more uh, ability to sense your environment. So we started uh, seeing that in the street preview where I'm turning my phone and I can. I can actually really uh, sense that the road is going over in that direction just by turning my my hand. And if I could do that to actually sense the layout of an environment, uh, the the structure of a building, the look of a building. So looking at ways that audio can give us give us even more in terms of 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 getting a good feel for the space around us. These are kind of areas that we're exploring. Amos, I wanted to bring up um, one, one question about uh, the, the new feature. This is uh, something that Judy Dixon, who is who's someone involved very much with ACB and is someone who writes a lot of books about the iPhone, all about photography and labeling things. And you, you probably know who she is, right? Judy Dixon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she so she called me one day and she goes, man, I, I, I downloaded the new soundscape but I would love to have, and I didn't, I think we, you and I even talked about this a while back, um, the ability of, of being able to navigate um, using, you know, say buttons on the, on the actual app uh, to move by direction rather than, you know, turning the, the, the phone. Is that something that um, it, she just wanted to let, make sure that we, you know, brought it up to you here too uh, about, you know that having that kind of a feature, that way you don't have to, you know, continue to turn the or, or point the phone if you're just wanting to explore. You know, keep it on the table and and then just explore your environment. Yeah, we that's um, you provided that feedback as well, and that that feedback is 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 on our on our um, list of things that we're working on and looking at. Cool. Um, there are there are a number of aspects to it. Uh, first of all, because it's because this work was driven largely by by mobility instructors mm -hmm. or orientation mobility instructors, they were actually very keen on the physical movement. Yeah, I get that too. I get that yeah. too. Yeah, yep. but uh, but I, but there are other requirements as well. So for the in the first instance, the physical movement of standing up and turning in the direction you want to yes. go 
was was a very important component of that over overall s- sensory experience because our body movement really feeds into that overall sensory experience absolutely so we said absolutely. that it's not always addressing all um uh, there, there are other ways the the, the using the a touchpad on the screen to move around it comes with other complications because what we will have to do is find an audio mechanism to let you know that the world has turned at 90 degrees um, that's easily done with visuals they do it in first game you know first person shooter kind of games right but how do you do it from right, an but audio? how do you do that with audio in a convincing way? Yeah, exactly. So, so it's, a, it's a really interesting design space that we that we have started looking at. Well, and to kind of bridge the conversation between you and Good Maps, have you considered the use of lidar? Uh, you know, the new iPhone 12s now have lidar built into them, and I'm just wondering if that's something that you guys are starting to look at on the roadmap. I would say that uh, we have friends who are looking at it, and. Uh, I like like the gentleman asked earlier in the conversation about partnerships. Um, any these new technologies that really allows allows the phone and the technology to sense the the world around them and allow us to provide a richer and more accurate experience. We're all in for that. Yay! Love that. All right. Well, Amos and Melanie, thank you so so much for. Uh, talking to us all about soundscape and of course you're welcome to stick around when we talk to good maps if you want um but this has been uh this has been terrific we'll have to have you back you know in in six to nine months and kind of see where you're at on uh next things that you guys are up to thank you for thank you for having us Thank you um, it, so much. Uh, yeah, and enjoy it. It's uh, it's it's a fun experience. And if people want to yeah. reach out to you, by the way, if they want to provide more feedback or just have general questions, what's the best way to do that? Uh, Soundscape feed at microsoft.com. That's it's a direct email that gets to our team. Uh, it's all of all. It, you can send it directly from your from your email uh, app, or you can uh, press the button on the in the menu feedback that will send us an email from there as well awesome we love feedback yeah thank you thank you so much guys excellent terrific hour yeah all right larry you want to uh, kick us off for yeah uh, I, i was looking for jose don't see him yet but i do see mike may who is his job title is the evangelist for good maps and he and I asked him about that because we had him on Tech Talk. By the way, that's playing this week on ACB Radio. So uh, if you'd like to hear even more about uh, Good Maps, that's on Tech Talk, and you can hear it on Mainstream. But uh, Mike is here, and I think Jose probably, I hope, will be here at some point. But Mike, first of all, welcome to Main Menu. Larry, good, uh, good to be here. And um, standing in for Jose is... a is Evelyn Titchener from Good Maps? Oh, very yeah, good. She just arrived. Yeah, right I mean, she's yeah. got perfect timing. No, don't get it. <laughs> hey, guys, it's Evelyn um, and Mike. Yeah, Mike just uh, introduced me. I'm the business analyst here at Good Maps. Uh, we work pretty closely on a lot of these um, events as well as sales and partnerships at Good Maps. We had questions. Um, 
when you we have did, questions, we have answers. Thank you, Radio Shack. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I know you couldn't. <laughs> but I, 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 when we did uh, Tech Talk a few weeks ago, a lot of people asked because they no- associate you, of course, Mike, with uh, a lot of things having to do with indoor navigation. And they asked, uh, is this separate from the American Printing House for the Blind or is it a, a subdivision? And, and maybe we could answer that one first. Sure, I'll let Evelyn give the, the, the how Good Maps was spawned. Yeah, for sure. So um, that's a good question. We were born out of the American Printing House for the Blonde um, last year at the very beginning of 2019. Um, Jose was brought on in uh, March, and then it was me and Mike, and we've flourished since then with our development team. Um, APH acts as uh, our sole investor right now. There are we're 100% owned by APH, um, and so that is their role. As well as we uh, we work with them on a lot of our marketing and different projects, and so we, we're really close close knit group. Um, and you know they're helping us drive our Huntington initiative right now. So um, all we work very closely with Ann and the market team at APH um, since, you know, growing into our, our larger organization now. And it's probably worth noting that APH is a nonprofit and Good Maps is a for-profit. I, I thought that was fascinating because usually it works in reverse. It does. Yeah. Right. Talk a little bit about what Good Maps actually is for those who have just wandered in and don't know. We are a, a company focusing on accessible navigation, both indoors and outdoors. Uh, we're a follow-on to the Nearby Explorer product. So APH has been working in this space for quite a few years. And eventually you have to change platforms and development uh, technology. And it was time for Nearby to do that. And at the same time, APH said, you know, I think there's a lot of value to particularly indoor navigation that's not being addressed. And so there's probably a commercial value and setting up this for-profit company. Are you all here still? I think Mike's audio went I, away. I think Mike's gone. Oh. Mike just got the yeah, rest. In terms of accent oh. tracking and... Oh. Uh, Mike is back. Mike, sorry, we lost you for about 30 seconds. Oh, where did that go? I don't know. I'm trying to think of where, where, I don't know where you your left audio off. Even changed. Your audio is different now, too. My hub just disconnected from my laptop. Let me see if I now, can. Back. Now you're back. Now you're, yeah, now you're, you're back. Good now. <laughs> that is so bizarre. <laughs> Gotta love to. I almost you. thought maybe you needed to use Good Maps to figure out where you were. Let <laughs> me, Evelyn, carry on, and I'm going to make sure my stuff is uh, synchronized here. Yeah. So um, Mike was mentioning, um, you know, we we came out with uh, we were originally working with the Nearby Explorer product. Um, and then as we began our mission, we realized that uh, there are very few indoor digital maps um, across the world. And so um, one of the things that we realized is you can't really do accurate indoor navigation if you don't have accurate indoor maps. And so um, to start our process, we started thinking about what is an indoor mapping um, actually look like? Because prior to 
good maps when we were working with APH and Nearby Explorer. They were doing a lot of hand mapping, kind of laser measurements. Um, and so it was a very, very time meticulous. And it would take, you know, weeks to map a small or two weeks to map a small library. And we are using LIDAR backpacks now. And to do the same library, it took us 18 minutes. So um, the the time improvements in, and the um, accuracy improvements um, have are huge you know, those are a huge benefit to our, our navigation now. And so from those maps, we take our original LIDAR scan. And then um, during that scan, we're also collecting 360 degree images from the building. Um, and we store all of those images in a, a library. And as a user enters a building, they have their phone out, they have their camera turned on, um, and they're navigating through the building. And our image library is matching an image that is seen from the user's phone camera to the images in the library. So it's kind of a matching process as far as our indoor navigation uh, piece goes. Um, but the two main things that we came away with as we started Good Maps was we've got to improve indoor mapping and we have to solve the um, indoor um, cam- or the positioning issues because there's a lot of issues um, with positioning and, and different things that are in the market right now. So um, those were our two goals and we uh, have seemed to, you know, starting to accomplish things with these two goals. So um, that is a little bit about the two main things we're working on right now is the mapping and the positioning. Now, so, a, a relatively new term to the blindness community, uh, but exciting with its inclusion in, in iPhone 12 is LIDAR. And tell us a little bit about what LIDAR is and how it relates to good maps. Yeah, uh, I don't. I didn't know if Mike was back yet or not. But um, so lidar is basically you can imagine um, like a matrix. It's a lot of little points um, that are collected together to create, um, and it's all laser points to create kind of a three D image. Um, and so that it's a lot. Lidar is used in a lot of the autonomous vehicles now, and it's getting a lot cheaper uh, to use. And so, um, I mean, you you see it now. It's in the iPhone 12. Pro. Pro, and we are in the process of testing the iPhone 12 Pro LiDAR to see if that will improve any of the positioning. Um, you know, since uh, we actually just got the devices in last week, so uh, it, it's something we're working on. But the LiDAR um, that we use in our backpacks uh, is up to, um, we're using a full backpack, and then it's got six cameras on it taking um, it's taking images every five seconds as we go throughout the building. So, so when somebody's using that, it, it's measuring the distance between one individual and another, or maybe in an object. Is that is that right? Right. So, um, technically, it's uh, the images have a geolocation attached to them, so uh, it has coordinates attached to the image, um, and so that's how we're able to figure out where the person is on the map. So, it'll basically you're walking through a building, um, and you see there's artwork on the wall, or there is a a cabinet to the right or a desk to the left, it's able to check those images and bounce it back to the image library and give you um, a geolocation uh, where the user is. And we're right now in the process of getting down to um, two to three uh, meter accuracy. Now, Good Maps is an app available in the app store. And so is it, is it, 
usable indoors or is it prime its primary uh strength still outdoors based upon on the it's what it's what's available right now for the uh, for the app Yeah, so um, the app is Good Maps Explore specifically, um, and it's available on the App Store. It's completely free to download. Um, Android will be available by the end of the year. Um, and the app specifically right now works outdoors, uh, you know, pretty well. It has all of our Foursquare data loaded in, and it has uh, lots of points of interest um, available in the look around mode. The app will work in um large public buildings. So for instance, I live in Nashville. I went to the airport um, about a month ago when I was testing the app and I was able to find out where the Burger King was and where, you know, the gift shops were, but that building has not been mapped yet. So the main difference between having a building mapped and a ha- and not having a building map is that you, we can actually do turn by turn or step by step uh, indoor navigation once the building is mapped. So for instance, I could find the Burger King, I could find the gift shop, but I couldn't navigate. I couldn't get step-by-step directions to that Burger King. But if the building was mapped, it would give me um, step-by-step directions to get there or to my gate or you know wherever I'm wanting to go. Now, my understanding is that when, it, when you're actually doing that and the building is mapped, your phone is constantly taking pictures to be able to compare against the data that you have in cloud. Isn't that right? Correct. Yes. So it is referencing images that are in the cloud um, that we have on our database. And so your camera has to be out. Um, You have to have your phone held up. Um, One of the ways that we figured out how to do some hands-free options is we've tested with lanyards. We've tested with front shirt pockets. Um, Mike has a backpack strap that goes on the, it's a, I think it's Timbuktu backpack strap that's a shoulder strap. Um, And so that gives you hands-free options and still keeps your camera um, out and visible. That's great. Now, what about, um, you know, going into a building that may have been mapped that there's where, where there is security concerns. Uh, should there be any issue with that, for example? Yes, that's a good point. And let me see, Mike, are you back yet? I was curious to hear if your mic. Yeah, back. yes, he's okay. back. Yeah, I, I switched over to my iPhone. My other, um, oh shoot, now I'm hearing my own echo. So <laughs> go ahead and answer that. You fine. Yeah, you're good. We don't hear your yeah, echo. Yeah, we can hear you fine. Um, and so great question. Um, one of the ways, you know, there may be security concerns when you go into airports, when you go into schools, um, you know, there's a lot of security concerns about, I don't want my building data out there for the public to see. And so the way that we're able to mitigate that is um, within Good Map Studio is where we store all of our mapping data. From that original scan, we produce a digital map and it's hosted in Good Map Studio and a venue owner can log into a web portal and get on there and view their maps. And within that web portal, there are a lot of different controls that we provide. So for instance, the security concern, we can go in and make portions of your building public, we can make it private, and we can set different roles. So for instance, you want the public to see where, uh, you know, how to get to the gates, how to get to certain areas in the airport, but you don't want the public seeing the administration offices of the airport. So we have the ability to turn off and turn on different areas in the building um, within Good Map Studio to help with those privacy concerns. Right. What, you don't what need about? Me. Oh, 
yeah, we can hear you now. Okay, what about, um, you know, you're taking pictures with your camera to be able to send up to do the comparison. And you could be potentially taking pictures of sensitive information in, in a building. And I'm just wondering if that was considered as part as, uh, of the privacy uh, concerns that, that some companies may have. Yes. So we um, don't, we only store the photos. It's not for, um, I'm not the exact amount. I don't know the exact amount of time that we store the photos, but after the X amount of time, the photos are erased. um, And so they're not stored any longer. Um, Yes. I understand like, you know, as we're starting to do more of the AI stuff and enabling uh, people to have access to your cameras um, that that's becoming a, a bigger issue with security. Um, but yeah, so we are, we're trying to figure out how to make sure that the camera perspective um, is secure for the user. And if there are security concerns um, for the building, that we address those. Yeah, Rick, as you walk along and you're streaming your geo-referenced images and comparing them with the cloud, once you've walked that spot, they don't need to be saved. They're gone. The ones in the cloud have to obviously be there for a reference for longer. So that's something we work out those security issues with the particular venue owner. But what you're streaming as you walk through the airport, some person that passes you by and you <clears throat> take their image, they don't have to worry about that being identified somewhere by Big Brother. Now, if I'm in the workplace, and for example, I work for Disney, and we have on stage and, and backstage where the, the backstage parts are only available to cast members. Is that something where you could shut that off for anybody else? And, or as I, with me as an employee, would I have access to that material if I had to be back there? Well, you don't, what's streaming would not be useful to a person. So there's not somebody monitoring this the way you would be monitoring your security camera. Mm -hmm. So what's feeding from your camera is only being used by a machine for the geocoding and no, there's no interest in the image or who's entered or face recognition or anything like that. Okay. So it's not going to get that specific at all. So, but it's something that if, if a Disney wanted us to map the venue, there would be lots of discussion about this and contracts signed and everything else sure. to just like you would deal in, let's say with the HIPAA requirements. Right. Yeah, I think there's one thing that I think helps us adopt this new kind of technology and the procedures you have to take in terms of having your camera out there is that people have gotten used to the fact that if you want input from Ira, you have to have your camera out where people can, uh, they can see what you're pointing the camera at. And so they're used to the this technique of putting it in a shirt pocket or a pouch or holding it, or if you're using Be My Eyes. And um, otherwise, that, that might be objectionable if people you know, hadn't gotten used to that fact. But every device, every app, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes the best thing you can do is know what the weaknesses are, and then you find the workarounds. You talked about LiDAR a little while ago, and that's huge because uh, you told me, I think, the last time we chatted that that was the big breakthrough that had been elusive over the years. Uh, I mean, talk a little bit about that in terms of what it enables you to do. Well, LiDAR has been used for a number of years. Yeah. And certainly yeah. we heard all the controversy about uh, Google Street View and all of their uh, driving along with these spinning LiDARs on the top of their cars and all the images they were capturing. What 
what's really evolved is that the LIDAR has gotten better, images have gotten better, the coordination of, of LIDAR, which is the lasers and the camera, and the ability to geocode and geotag those images has gotten better and into a more affordable package. I mean, they had million-dollar rigs going around doing this stuff, um, which they still do. And other companies like here uh, also does this. Uh, but now it's in a, let's say, a $25,000 backpack with all of this gear, and you can take advantage of this really sophisticated technology uh, that just a few minutes ago was not affordable. And then you fast forward to the fact that it's starting to have its uh, version of that in the iPhone and the Pro, and the 12 Pro and the 12 Max, uh, which Evelyn has one and I don't. Um, she has the pro and we played with the people detection uh, feature that it has. Uh, and the fact that it has the light error in there, as you also brought up with uh, Amos when he was wrapping up, that this all of a sudden presents possibilities that's, just beyond, that's beyond just detecting that somebody's six feet away or they're announcing to you that they're 22 feet away. That's interesting. But what else can we do with that kind of laser technology? That's kind of fun to think about. Talk about the virtualness of good maps as well. I assume it's it's similar to what Amos was describing, where you can actually go throughout the throughout the United States, or I assume anywhere in the world, and be able to get a virtual picture of an uh, of a venue. Yeah, virtual exploration is a really powerful tool. I think it's underestimated. Uh, it's something that in uh, our earliest Sendero products, we had virtual exploration because it's it's a reality, and I think everybody realizes that if you can review something ahead of time and have a mind's eye viewpoint of where you're going, the details of the streets, maybe how long they are, how far apart things are, and you have this in your mind, then we actually navigate with your app. You don't have to think as hard. You don't have to stop and figure it out because you already know what to expect. And so setting that expectation really reduces the cognitive load on the person when they're also having to deal with traffic, managing a cane or a dog, and and being out there in the world. If you already know what to expect, then it all comes a lot easier and virtual navigation is a way to do that. Now, there are different versions of, of virtual exploration. They don't provide you all of the features that you would win in a real-time situation. Several of the apps do a version like this, as, and this is what uh, Explore does. You do a, you're sitting at your desk. I do a search for a nearby, let's say, pharmacy. And I say, I want to be there virtually. And now I want to explore what else is around that pharmacy. So since I'm virtually at that pharmacy, when I do a what's nearby command, or I shake the phone for an update on location information, it starts announcing to me the Starbucks is 72 feet away, etc. So you can learn that environment. You can even ask for a route to that place and figure out a little bit about how you'll have to go to get from the pharmacy to the Starbucks. Um, there are more sophisticated virtual explorations. Um, the, the best is the Sendero maps on the PC where you can actually use the windows 
uh, software <clears throat> platform and arrow keys to drive around and explore block by block and point by point and a lot of things like that. But that's a bit much to expect out of a, an iPhone app and a touchscreen. Uh, but suffice it to say that that's something that one wants to become very familiar with. And uh, in case of indoor navigation, which is not widely spread yet, that's probably the only way you're going to get to figure out, well, what would indoor navigation look like? You go into our app, you go to the um, the more tab, you, f- you find a building that you want to explore uh, in Louisville and you you select it. And now uh, you can virtually explore around and see what it would be like indoors being at Lynn's Cafe and finding the Miguel Library and the lobby. And, and um, the cool thing is you do get turn-by-turn routing in that situation, uh, which I don't believe there's another app that does that indoors yet. Most most of the time, indoor uh, indication of POIs has been by getting warmer. So you hear the Lynn's Cafe is 75 feet at 11 o'clock, but it doesn't tell you that you want to go 50 feet and then turn left. So that's that's a pretty cool feature, and I think it has a lot of power, particularly in complex buildings. We do have uh, the ability to, um, we don't, but Mike and Evelyn have the ability to answer questions. If you'd like to ask questions, raise your hand. Rick will get to you. Oh, Chris, thank you. Two people now. Uh, some people just wait until we say it's time. I don't know why, because virtually your arm never gets tired. <laughs> but uh, maybe we could put uh, Rick to work a little bit and take a few questions. Yeah, Wes is really quick. So Wes has got his hand up. Yeah, I just listened to this. I just want to check. Okay, the URL for Good Maps is simply goodmaps.com. It kind of looks like you. Like, That's it? Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm also kind of wondering, where you describe this, how this works. So, I mean, with Good Maps, basically this handles like what I like to call the last foot because I play with Nearby Explorer. I play with Soundscape other stuff i know a few places it got to it said i was at the place but i never know exactly where to go from there which doorway to go in it's this building on my right the one on my left you know i i still i find a lot of problems it says i'm at the destination so it's like you know some people use the phrase the last mile i like to say a lot of these apps had a hard time with the last foot so basically what you're talking about with this technology it could handle that last foot um, yes, mostly. So there's there's not an easy answer to that. So we always called it outside the final frustrating frigging 50 feet. Okay. And fill in your own Fs because it was really frustrating when you get to that building and where's the door? Um, yeah, like people, one building in Rochester is trying to get to like a little eating plate. And it's like it took him to the wall of the building, but you can finally get in. One day I found this one door, but it had like a little plastic housing thing where the door handle should be, you know, no way to open it. But it's like Well, and that's that's why you have things like Be My Eyes and Ira. So it's in, in our accessible toolbox, we always want to have something to deal with that final fifty feet outdoors. Gotcha. Indoors, it's less than that because as as you might have heard when I was off fix, fixing my technology, 
the CPS, the camera-based positioning, gets us down around a one-meter, three-foot accuracy. But it's important to realize that what does accuracy mean? Because when you're walking along now, three-foot three accuracy also is determined by how fast are you walking, how quickly do you respond to the voiceover information. I mean, it can take five seconds to announce that you're supposed to turn. And by that time, you've missed it. So there's, it's kind of an interesting new uh, situation that we're having to figure out with precise navigation. Uh, how do I follow the instructions and how do I turn when I'm supposed to? So I'm in setting the expectation realistically in my own mind, I'm thinking, what if I just assume I have better than 10 foot accuracy? So when it tells me I'm five feet away, I'm going to start looking for that turn for that hallway, for that doorway. Uh, so that I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the right zone and I don't have to ask somebody else for help because it's gotten me close enough to figure it out on my own. All right. Thanks. Welcome. Abraham, please. Question. I think I must uh, answer the question about security. So the company I work for, we've got a bunch of conference rooms, hallways, and only people who have access can get into the building. If we use uh, good maps to map out a building that's supposed to be secure, who can access that information? Can anyone who walks into the building access that information only? Your, and, your company controls uh, what access is given to what area in much the same way that they do with key cards. So let's say the visitors only have access to the lobby. Employees have access to certain places. Maybe other employees like IT people can go into an, a different room. So the the control panel or the dashboard that's that we have with the software called uh, Studio allows the venue to set those permissions and then modify them as they see fit and decide who gets access to what and when. Okay. And are there anything in the roadmap to keep that uh, location details isolated within a specific company or will it only be, or is it going to always be on the good map servers? Well, we, we will work it out with the company in terms of making sure that's secure only to them so nobody else can have access to that information, that data, those controls. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Abraham. Mike, is it expensive to map a building? Um, it's got to get cheaper, I think, if we're really going to scale it. Um, you know, it's let's say it's just for rough numbers so you can keep it around your head. If you had... Uh, a ten thousand foot square, ten thousand square foot building. It costs a thousand dollars. It it takes the time of the person to go there to to walk through the building, and it's pretty much their walking time. So you could walk a ten thousand square foot building in a couple hours easily. And then there's processing time and labeling. So it depends how complicated the building is, because you want to name all of those different doorways and reception desks and and to figure out the permissions. So all of that processing time uh, will, you know, fits into the cost, but it's roughly on that scale. So it's, it's, it's a lot cheaper to use camera-based positioning than it is with beacons because there's little to no hardware involved. And that's what's hard to both install and maintain. And without that, with just the camera, 
then the, the monthly subscription, which goes beyond this, the, the initial installation cost, then can be uh, kept down. Rick, we have another hand. I'm sorry, yeah, were you going to say something, Evelyn? I was just going to say, and just to add on to that, as the building sizes scale, our square footage, like per square foot price goes down, um, which is, you know, in a lot of cases, um, just because you have to factor in like the travel costs and all that type of stuff. But yeah, um, we're working with, you know, doing companies where we have multiple buildings in one package or, um, you know, one large building in another small building. And so, um, since we've just recently launched, launched the app in September, we're really trying to just expand our supported building base. Um, and so, uh, we're, we're working on pricing with, uh, different buildings and, you know, really getting, trying just to get it out there and expand it across the country. Very good. Rick? Yeah, Chris, if you want to unmute. Hi, everybody. A uh, great presentation. I just had a brief question. Uh, it might be sound so simple, but is the Good Maps already on the on the App Store for iOS um, or, or and or Android? Uh, and then the second question, uh, real briefly to to my question is, um, how are you guys implementing five G technology with you know updates and things of that sort? Is there any like um, special things that you guys are doing with the five G and, and and mapping and all that stuff? Evelyn, Thank you. you. Can answer the first question. I'll answer the second. Yes. So uh, the app is available on the iOS store. Um, and I, um, well, I was, I was going to see if I could put it in the chat, but um, yeah, you can look up good maps, explore good maps is one word um, and it's completely free. And then Android will be launched by the end of the year. And in terms of 5g, this is an interesting debate. I don't know if you guys have gone into it on ACB radio, but um I've attended a couple of seminars on 5G and the technical people will tell you that 5G at this point in time is really meant for high-speed routers and networking and the and the net benefit to the person working or walking around when your phone says 5G as mine seems to say a lot it, it isn't really doing anything that advantageous for your speed and your bandwidth uh, and as we know, the 5G network is being rolled out, and you hear the commercials from T-Mobile and others saying, oh, it's everywhere, it's incredible. But it involves a lot of antennas uh, on the ground every block or so. And so there's a huge infrastructure aspect to 5G, and it isn't being used for positioning. So we've we've used Wi-Fi triangulation, for instance, for positioning. And that has some pros and cons and hasn't really taken off, but it can be done. You can do some positioning just with Wi-Fi. So you could do the same sort of thing where you have 5G, but so far not with the 5G modules that are out on the street. Uh, That has been discussed, but as far as I know, and in talking to some of the universities like Washington University in St. Louis, who's done some testing of uh, different radio signals, including 5G, um, there's really no positioning or triangulation going on with 5G yet. Do you have any plans that you can talk about for things you'd like to see in an up-and-coming Good Maps release? My gosh, John, my list is uh, miles long. Uh, having worked on all the Sendero products where we had 22 versions and then the iPhone, I don't know, we had a dozen probably releases. And your releases are a result of user input. Uh, And just as Amos was talking about, that's really what drives the product. Uh, We have nearby users who 
have things that they're used to in that product and would certainly like to see in this. And a lot of that has to do with configurability because everybody has different needs at different situations. So they like to see, let's say, the ability to have categories for points of interest. And how do you do that exactly? Um, do you just list them all or do you want to have check boxes for each one so you pick the ones that you want? Uh, those are kinds of features we'd have. I'd tell you one of my top features to add is having 3D audio like Soundscape. I think that that is one of the most brilliant ways to capture the information that's around you in a way that's less stressful and more meaningful. So that's certainly uh, on the roadmap, and uh, the list goes on and on. So if anybody has a favorite feature, speak up because – you know, if two or more people mention it, all of a sudden it starts to get traction. Now, is there a a reason to be able to add your own personal points of interest, or is that taken care of in the overall mapping with the company? Oh, that's a leading question. I think you know the answer to that one, right? <laughs> I do. Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. But, and I know why he asked it, but go ahead. <laughs> it's It's really one of the most powerful features. We just added it in version 1.31. And, of course... The, the whole world isn't mapped. And you um, actually the place I moved into here in Reno is a brand new development. And my house isn't even on um, a lot of the maps. And it routes me to a street called Meridian and I'm on Pinot Grigio Drive, uh, which the maps still think is Meridian. And so I have a point there. <clears throat> I walk up over the, the hill to get to the local Starbucks and Rayleigh's. And there's a path that intersects... Um, a paved path and there's no physical determination that I can figure out where that path uh, takes off. So I've marked that. And if I miss it, I'm just walking down a random hillside who knows into what Canyon or ravine. Uh, my dog's pretty good now at finding that spot, but being able to re uh, record user points of interest is really critical. And I think um, it's valuable to share those points. It's something we started doing in the very early products of Sendero and uh, ended up with some, I don't know, 13,000 points, uh, people all over the world putting in stuff that was, uh, let's say it's off the grid, off the map, things that wouldn't necessarily be in the millions of points of interest and the street databases. And I assume you have to rebuild those points of interest you can't just move them from say sendero related applications to these well you know i would i would love to do that yeah those those thirteen thousand points are sitting out there in the cloud on on the, some of the sendero products not all of them including not on the the cni gps so uh, i'd love to import them and it, this is you know the the software people hate to hear this oh it's just software <laughs> Uh, so if they, they, it's a different format, and that's one of the things with points of interest is they do tend to have slightly different formats. And so if if you could get you know, all of the databases imported, you'd have a lot more content and richer content than if you just import uh, a couple of points of interest databases. <clears throat> we have two right now in Explorer, Foursquare which is most common and has a lot of junk, but also a lot of uh, stuff that's not available, let's say, in the Apple point of interest database, which is better vetted, but doesn't have some of this offbeat stuff. 
further questions? I don't think we see any more hands. Further questions from anybody? I'll, I'll, Go I'll ahead. say a thing further about the, the point of interest. Sure. Content. I'm, I'm big on rich content. When I'm going down the highway, and I think this is one of the best times to use accessible uh, navigation, because you're in a cocoon, you don't know what's around, and you pass something that says the John Muir Historical Society, and you think, huh, I've heard about John Muir. What, what is it? What's the deal with him? You want to be able to hit the details button and get more content. Um, and there have been companies that have tried this over the years, and I think there's still some out there where you can drill down and get the content that you might, let's say if you were in a museum and hear an audio file, an MP3 clip. Um, We even talked uh, some years ago, I tried to coordinate a project between, um, what's it called, CPR, um, public radio and NPR, because NPR has their stories geocoded. So if you went into uh, a city, you know, Minneapolis or something. And, the, you know, there's stories that are downtown where where they've had uh, all the uh, unrest and the George Floyd killing and the, you know, reporters have been there. And when those, when those things get posted, they're geotagged. So if you walked through Minneapolis and you had that uh, linked to your device, then you could hear that news story and have it referenced to the exact spot where you're standing. And you think about all the things that's happened over the years uh, with Martin Luther King, with JFK. Uh, you, you could all of a sudden launch a business of doing uh, walks, walk, walking tours around cities just because you'd have all of this audio content that's geo-referenced. And that's, that's highly possible. It's just a matter of coordinating these databases. I had no idea. That's, that would be huge. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, Rick, I do see we have a hand. Yeah, Chris was back. I was about to comment and say that is an amazing feature. If you could add that for museums, for example, too, um, it would be awesome. Or like you said, trails, things of that sort. You know, for for it to be described to you, like, hey, you know, if you're if you're on a battlefield, let's say Gettysburg, for exa- example, I think that would be an awesome thing to have a description of. You know, right here was. The, the famous run or whatever it may be, this portion of the battle or something like that. Um, I think it would be very awesome if you could add that. And I also am for the 3D audio as well um, with you guys working with Soundscape with Microsoft. I think that I'm giving you a big woot woot, um, definitely. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to comment, just support you guys on that. I think what you guys are doing, uh, instead of making it a competition, working together is, I think, the best thing going forward for blind GPS and, and you know navigation in general in the future. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And Chris, you bring up a good point. Our um, our CEO, Jose, his, uh, his mod- motto is, rising tides lift all boats and metaphorically that really refers to our business model which is we're going to get the venues to pay for the mapping and that's how we're going to be in business and be a for-profit company and then we will share that data with any cooperating um, blindness access like blind square or soundscape or any of them they can use that data they can connect it into their app because we, we realize uh, we don't always want to change the, our screen reader or our navigation app, even if one might have a feature that the, uh, the one I'm using uh, doesn't have, <clears throat> then I, I want to use my UI and I don't have to learn a new one. 
And so we're going to share that data so you can pick your app that you want to use uh, at no charge. So, so Mike, you know, you're, you're kind of a bleeding edge technology guy. Um, we, we, we got some questions on email a while back and I just wanted to get your, I have an opinion on this, of course, but wanted to get your uh, opinion on this in reference to the iPhone 12 pro or pro max, or just the, the regular iPhone 12. Um, would you recommend that people buy the pro over the standard iPhone 12 at this point? Or do you think we should wait, you know, six months, 12 months before we start seeing, uh, the technology maybe mature a little bit more? Well, I'm not a waiter and that's why I bought the 12 because I didn't wait long enough to see the announcement that the pro had this people detection. Uh, and I couldn't justify at that point saying, you know, another 300 bucks for LIDAR and the ability to have better pictures at night because that's what had been touted in the Apple announcements. <clears throat> so when they announced this other stuff, I was glad that a couple others at Good Maps had bought the devices because I, I don't know how much I would use it. I, I'm an early adopter, so I want to play with these things. Um, I got the iPhone 11 because it had ultra-wideband chip in it. And uh, I thought, well, that, that'll be used for something. Uh, ultra-wideband could be used as a, as a modern version of the tile. And Apple's supposed to come out with its AirTags, and they haven't yet. Maybe they will. That would be cool. Ultra-wideband might make a, a better device for, for that kind of tracking. But So I bought the iPhone 12, 11, and then nothing ever happened with UWB. So uh, it's a long way around to say uh, it's probably a fun thing to play with. I'll be interested to hear feedback from people who have it. Once you get past the initial intrigue, how much are you actually using it? And I can think of other apps with cool things like Scene AI has the face recognition. And I played with that the day it came out. And um, it was interesting. It was really cool that it, that it did it. But from, for my purposes, it wasn't really all that practical. If I was in, let's say, the office with my colleagues, I kind of knew who everybody was. Maybe somebody comes in late. I wouldn't necessarily be pointing my camera at the door and have an earphone in and have it announced to me who came in. I mean, that would be one way you could use it. Maybe people have found other ways to use it. So we always have to connect the uh, the bleeding edge things in technology um, to to maybe what we use in real life. And it, I think the fun part is we never really know. So fortunately, there's a lot of us out here who buy these things and test them, and and then maybe you know 10 percent of things actually become super useful, and the other stuff was just fun while it lasted. In the meantime, I've got a whole drawer full of stuff here. I <clears throat> I need to get rid of. Where would you like, maybe Evelyn can help us with this too, but but from a technology standpoint, Mike, where would you like or expect good maps to be in five years or so? Mm. Oh, that's a tough one for sure. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy right now and riding around Louisville and Evelyn's doing the driving. Um, but you know, maybe we'll switch roles someday and she can sit back and be on the phone and I could be doing the driving or monitoring the autonomous vehicle. I don't know, five years. Um, I, I mean, I would, I always said when, when we started out with GPS and this really came back to the days of Jim Fruchterman and Arkenstone and the Strider who said, 
we'll be successful and we can say uh, navigation is ubiquitous and it's free. And we're, we're almost there outdoors. Uh, indoors is the new frontier. And so I think we want to be ubiquitous and free in five years. So the biggest challenge for us really is scaling, getting this into mm-hmm. buildings, being attractive enough that it, it and working with partners so that it really takes off and it is everywhere. And we have the capabilities indoors in the same scale that we now have it outdoors. I, I think Evelyn probably would chime in on that. Yeah, I would um, definitely say scaling and, um, you know, always making it cheaper in the next, you know, next few years, trying to um, get the tech cheaper, get the LIDAR cheaper, um, you know, trying to make it less labor intensive on the map creation side. And we're doing different things to automate the map creation stuff, but yeah, definitely scaling. And um, in five years, it would be amazing for people to know, you know, this is a good maps location because a lot of people know IRA locations. Now it'd be great for people to say, Oh, this is a good maps location and see our symbol on the door and know they can have their phone out and, and be ready to go. So that's that is a, a a goal of mine, and I think a goal of our company as a whole. It would be interesting, you know, for larger companies, say Disney or or Google, Microsoft, Apple, uh, to to purchase these backpacks, you know, in house, and then capture that data and then upload it to you. Um, yeah, for, for labeling, that would be an intriguing business model uh, too. I, I think we have to. Uh, leverage other people doing this. I, I think in the beginning, it'll start out just like it has with distribution of other products where people will be dealers. Right. So you think of all the adaptive tech dealers around the country. If they go into business mapping locally, then you mm-hmm. start getting that regional uh, <clears throat> footprint that you wouldn't otherwise. And then eventually, if we can have a, a training module of video and learn how to do it on YouTube and they, the backpacks are cheaper and you can send them technology or even five years from now, the iPhone may be able to do the mapping. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. By the way, I think we have a raised hand. Don't we, uh, Rick? Yes, sir. It's Wes. Yes. Uh, when I seen on, on Cindy Hollis's uh, email for this, it mentioned like good math was like a replacement for nearby explore and i'm kind of confused because what you're talking like good map is for indoor navigation while a nearby explorer is for outdoor navigation and that kind of seems strange why good maps would be replacing it but is good maps going to replace nearby explorer might have missed the early um discussion of this wes uh, uh, good maps is indoors and outdoors uh, it's it's really important oh. that a person have a seamless experience and not have to switch to good maps oh, okay. indoors. We did start out just focusing on indoors, but soon realized that we needed to be have oh. the same user interface for both things. That so, makes sense. Yes, it is replacing nearby. Nearby isn't going away immediately, but as we incorporate new features, uh, then our platform, which is a more updated platform than what Nearby was founded on, you know, it's been a few years since they uh, established that platform. Things are changing. Uh, some of the map providers, they pulled some some fast ones on us. Um, for example, there's a company called Decarta that provided the map engine that a lot of us used five years ago. And Uber bought Decarta 
And so that went away as a separate provider of a map engine. So there's technical things under the hood that happen like that that sometimes force these transitions to happen. Uh, so we we will be taking over from nearby and hopefully bring forward all of the good stuff that they've done there. So are you the same com- are you the same people that produce nearby Explorer? No, we have one person on our team from the nearby team. Uh, we our official office, although everybody works remotely now, is in the same building as APH, and we've worked closely with their developers. Um, so it is they are separate companies. APH is a nonprofit. Good Maps is a for profit. Separate teams. Okay, uh, thank you. I just I was just kind of wondering about that. So. Uh-huh. So in the future, I'm going to find nearby explorers no longer going to be working, and I need to get good maps. <laughs> well, it's pretty easy. You you should go get good maps anyway, and just check it out, and and then give us feedback if there's features you like from nearby. Make sure and and uh, send them an email and say, hey, you know, you guys are missing this. I'd really like to see it. Yeah, and also my phrase when my luck runs, I get good maps. I walk into the local mall around here, open it up and find out it ain't working because that mall does not have their beacons and stuff or been mapped. It's usually right. my- <clears throat> yeah, we'll go talk to your mall and say, hey, you, we, you guys could get mapped pretty inexpensively. I'll put you in touch with these good maps guys. They're buddies of mine. It seems to be experience to have with this stuff like this. I've been to one ACB convention which had a system set up while we, we were there which I had a chance to play with. But mostly when I go around to these buildings like here in Portland, Oregon, it's like they never, never even heard of it, you know? Yeah, sure. Well, that was the low-vis guide, and that was a good way to test out. That's some of the earlier indoor navigation. That was beacon-based, uh, and it was based on a, a company in Vienna, Austria called Indoors, I-N-D-O-O dot R-S. Okay, yeah, I understand this thing had beacons up everywhere for it to work, and had an app yeah. on your phone, and it could determine where you were in the mm-hmm. hotel. It was so, it was so, so, you know. It was, it was interesting. You know, these, you, these things have to start somewhere, and then they evolve. All right, thank you. Thank you, Wes. Mike, I would imagine, Ben, when you're looking and indoor venues get mapped, I would assume that you'd be able to publicize it and promote it Kind of like what they do with Ira. Uh, sure. Yep. You can search for it, or maybe some of the some of the new ones are listed. Um, yeah. I guess that's the only way to really let people know that you can now begin to use Good Maps indoors with success. Right. Yeah. And w- go ahead, Evelyn. I was just going to say, uh, yeah, we're about to do a huge marketing push on that um, perspective is basically providing, you know, the good maps toolkit that's for supported buildings. So, you know, when you go into an IRA location, they have the sign that says, you know, you can you can access IRA as a free location here. We're going to do a similar type thing, also providing QR codes and we'll have our supported lists on our website. Um, but, you know, with the recent launch of the app, um, we're really ramping that um, the supported building stuff up now. So um, we're, we're doing a huge marketing push um, in that perspective. And when you arrive at a building, even if you don't know that it's in the database, it's going to ping you and say, uh, indoor building, do you, do you want access? <clears throat> and if you're going in there, then, you, of course, you'd hit yes, and away you go. And again, this is international as well. So, I mean, so many apps come out and they work well in the United States and Canada, but nowhere else. So this is mm-hmm. all all going internationally as well. 
So far, so far, U.S. and Canada, uh, we are branching out into the U.K. So the English-speaking countries will be first: Australia, New Zealand. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of inquiries from other countries. Uh, it's a matter of, uh, of course, localizing for a, a, a language once you get into other parts of Europe, and then you have to. Sometimes the user interface has to change a little bit, or the structure of things. Uh, for example, in in a lot of countries. Instead of being 329 Main Street, it would be Main Street 329. And so you have to – there's some just some different programming that needs to happen. But by and large, uh, it's pretty easy since we use open street maps. They're worldwide. Foursquare is worldwide. So all of our data is available once we uh, get a partnership and launch in a particular country. We have uh- – about three, maybe four minutes, maybe it's time for us to ask you to give some contact information where people who have questions can communicate. Yeah, go ahead, Evelyn. Yeah, um, so uh, if you guys are interested or if you have buildings in your area that you're interested in having mapped, um, feel free to reach out to my email. Um, it's Evelyn, E-V-E-L-Y-N dot Titchener, T-I-C-H-E-N-O-R at goodmaps.com. Um, and if, if you also want to reach out our info, it's just info at goodmaps.com. Um, and I'll, I'll monitor that as well. So, um, yeah, if you have questions or you like to see videos, we've got users in action videos um, and materials that we can provide you guys. Um, and then if there are certain features you would like to see in the app, feel free to send those to support at goodmaps.com. Mike? Yeah, yeah. Mike at goodmaps.com will, will get me at the work email and happy to hear your ideas or Anything else that it could uh, be helpful in, in making this happen because it's it's teamwork and you guys are part of the team. So we really appreciate being on the show. Uh, I've loved ACB Radio over the years, so uh, it's nice to be on again. So it's it's Mike. It's not Evangelist Mike. It's just Mike, right? <laughs> yeah, it could be. I'm officially I'm Chief Evangelist, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Mike Mike dot May. Any of those will get me at goodmaps.com. It's been a the CSUN virtual convention. Absolutely. Looking forward to bumping into you there and sharing a drink virtually. All right. It won't, won't be like uh, the real thing in person, but it'll have to do. Same thing with yep. CES. We'll get the Sweetmans with us and we'll get into a room and we'll figure out what we can do virtually to make it seem the same. Okay. There you go. Thank you both. It's been a great hour. Thank you. Thank you you so, so much, guys. Appreciate you very, very much. And uh, good luck going forward. We're excited to see where, you know, what you come up with next. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Well, Larry and John and uh, and Rick, we'll be back in December where uh, we're going to be talking all about groups.io and the transformation that that's going to have for the organization. So that will be a a fun-filled one, I think. And I think we'll We'll kind of partner with that with a community event along with Main Menu Live. So uh, I'll work with Debbie Hazelton and, and others to to put that together. We'll probably bring Deb Lewis on with us to talk about Groups.io and a couple of other people too. So we can uh, share lots of great knowledge about that because it's a, it's a pretty major change in the way that we handle all of our email lists. Should be fun. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, good night, everybody, and we'll see everybody in December, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody.